<laughs> Thank you. Yeah, you don't know the half of it, brother. <laughs> so, does this come up? Does this come up here? I guess so. Yep. I'm going to get that up. I can't see. Oh, there we go. I can hide behind this and you can't see me. Uh, is that Sarah's mom over there? Are you Sarah's mom back there? Hi. And <laughs> I hadn't met you this morning that I know of, but anyway, good to see you. All right, uh, we're going to be looking in Second Peter this morning, or this evening. You know, it's interesting that when I got here this morning uh, for Sunday, for Sunday, for the first service, uh, you sang, uh, "Tell the world uh, you're a Christian." Then I preached on what is a Christian, and then Brother Ed, he got into Second Peter dismay, and I thought, "Boy, he's going to preach my sermon because I'm, I'm preaching on Second Peter chapter one today." So I'm going to straighten him out. <laughs> but. Um, I don't think he'll mess me up too much, but I'm gonna I'm gonna look at Second Peter chapter one, and I want to give my testimony tonight because I'll tell you what you know we all have a testimony, and uh, you know it's something that we ought to thank God for that we have a testimony of what Jesus Christ did in our life, and if you can't be thankful for that, you've got a real problem with your thankfulness, and uh, so look at Second Peter chapter one. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. How do you get our righteousness? Through Christ. No man is righteous. No self-righteousness is going to get you to heaven. I'm thankful because I know I'm not even close to that, and you're not either. Uh, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of, our, of God our, and, of our Jesus, and of Jesus our Lord. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. You know, when we get, when we get saved, we still sin, right? You do know that. And when you talk to people about their salvation, you know, don't, you know I've seen people say, well, you know, if you just clean your life up, you'll be okay. No, if you clean your life up, you'll be a clean sinner. <laughs> I mean, that's about it. You know, it's not the sin that we do that takes us to hell. It's our nature. We need a new nature. Amen. We're born with that sin nature. I wish God would take it away when we get saved, but unfortunately, we have to struggle with it the rest of our lives. But um, we have these promises by the Word of God. I'm going to talk this, morning, this evening about remembering. I want us to remember three things this, this evening. Remember our salvation. Remember our service and remember how short time is. And so we look then at verse uh, 4, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partaker of the divine nature, having escaped the, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. This world is corrupt. Everything about this world is corrupt. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. You know, there's three words in the Bible for world. There's a world of people, and you know where to love them, Right? There's a world of creation, and that's God. You know, the heavens declare the glory of God. And so we can thank God for his creation. But then there's a world system that is anti-God, anti-Bible, anti-anything that's decent. And that's what he says we're not to love. And so he says here, we've escaped the world through lust. And besides this, giving all diligence, and that's what Brother Ed was working on, this, 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 uh, this, um, um, 
group of uh, qualities here. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith, virtue to virtue, knowledge to knowledge, temperance and to temperance, patience and to patience, godliness and to godliness, brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness, charity. Now, these are the steps of Christian growth. You know, when you look at your life, if you're not, if these are not demonstrated in your life, there's a problem. Let me ask you a question. How many of you think you can be saved and then forget that God saved you? How many think you can? Nobody? I love that. You know, people in New Zealand do not do that. They don't answer me at all because they know I'm going to put them on the end of a limb and cut it off. <laughs> but <I> want... <laughs> and so look, okay. If these things be you and abound. So what things? That list of things, right? If those things be in you and not just in you, but what? always abounding in the work of the Lord. If they be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall be uh, neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. You want to be fruitful? Let these things be in your life. But notice, but he that lacketh these things is blind, right? And cannot see afar off. And then read the last, last part of that verse. And what? Forgotten. Hath forgotten what? That he was purged for his own. Let me ask you again. How many of you think you can be saved and forget you're saved? Oh, I don't know what that means other than that's what it means. You ever seen somebody who says they're a Christian and they just don't even have any interest in whatsoever? Now, I don't know how far you can be backslidden and still be a Christian. I have no idea. But I know as a Christian you can get out of God's will. We know that. And so I want us to, first of all, remember when we were saved. How many of you remember when you were saved? How many of you were saved when you're over 30? Okay, over 40? Over 100? You, over, right over here, brother. <laughs> I think we'll just get there and let it go at that. <laughs> well, and so a lot of people are saved as children. And so, listen, you remember, I remember very clearly the day I was saved. It was in November 1973, uh, and uh, I brought up a Roman Catholic. I went to eight, eight years of Catholic school, as I mentioned this morning. I never once saw a Bible, never, never, ever once heard anything. But I remember one time the priest came in and told the boys the facts of life. <laughs> what a joke. <laughs> I can still remember that guy trying to make sense out of it, which he, it just, it's, it's awful. <laughs> But I never saw the word of God, never heard anything about God or his word or how he loved us, you know. But listen, in the word of God, we're told that we need to remember certain things, right? But then Paul said we also we need to forget certain things. Now, Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, Brethren, I count not myself to apprehend, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now, Paul left those things behind that were a hindrance to him. But he never forgot the day on the Damascus Road when he got saved. Can you imagine the Apostle Paul? You know what really got Paul thinking about salvation is Stephen. You know, Stephen was, or Paul was the one who was responsible for Stephen's death. Remember in Acts chapter 7, he was the one that laid down their cloth at, this, at Saul's feet. And he was looking into the face as if it were a face of an angel. He never got over that. And so when Paul was walking down that road to Damascus, by the way, don't think that Paul got saved some other way than what you did. He got saved by believing in Jesus Christ. Because remember when Paul walked down that road, he said, he heard this voice. And he said, uh, Paul, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? 
Now, I don't think he ever met Jesus face to face. Who was he persecuting? The church, right? And when, listen, that relationship between the church and Jesus Christ is so close that when you persecute one, you're persecuting the other. This is God's church. I can't emphasize that enough. This is the house of the living God. Amen. The pillar and ground of the truth. And we better be careful, like I said before this morning, how we treat this church. So Paul, when he got saved, he heard the voice of the Lord Jesus, all, why persecutest thou me? And he says, who art thou, Lord? And he said, Lord, what will thou have me to do when he got saved? You know, it's a good thing when we get saved to put our life in God's hands. I remember when I got saved, I got saved because I worked at a place. There was about 150 people that worked in this printing shop, and there was one Christian in that place, one and they put me working with that guy. I really hated him. <laughs> I really hated him. He would witness to me, and I, and I said, look, if you do that again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to strangle you. He goes, okay. Hey, Mike, if you die today, you know you go to heaven. <laughs> and not only, because nobody else wanted to work with this guy. So I was working with him, and then guess what? My car broke down, and I had to get a ride to work, and only one person drove by my house. So not, not only did I have to work with this guy, I had to ride to work with this guy. You know, for one year, he would invite me to church. I remember every, third, every Friday night when we'd go, he goes, why don't you come to church on, uh, on, uh, on Sunday? And I'd heard about that Baptist church. I was a Catholic. I was right. He was wrong. And I didn't want to go to that Baptist church. But every week, he was faithful. Every week for a year, he invited me to go to church. So one Sunday, I thought, I'm going to go to church. I remember he was sitting up about three-quarters of the way up. I walked in that church. He didn't know I was coming. I went and tapped him on the shoulder, and he looked around. And he goes, what are you doing here? <laughs> I mean, if you're going to invite people to church, expect them to come, you know? But, you know, that day, my wife wasn't with me. She was home. And, uh, but I went forward that day, and I put my life in the hands of Christ. And I'll tell you what, what a blessing that was. I went home and told my wife, as I said this morning, it took me about three days to get up enough courage to tell her I'd gotten saved. And so she came to church the next Sunday. I think she was working that day I went. And uh, so she went forward and got saved. And, you know, that's a, that's a blessing when the husband gets saved and the wife gets saved at the same time because that doesn't happen all the time. But we got saved. And what a blessing that was. It was like your, it's like, I mean, life just took on a new me. It's like something like you're born again. <laughs> you know how it is? I mean, it really is. And I could not believe, as much as I hated life before, how much I loved it afterwards. And within the space of one day, I went from a hate to a love. What a blessing it is. Listen, if you don't love this Christian life, something is wrong with you. And so, uh, but you know, Paul forgot those things that were behind. He spent his life giving his testimony of what Christ had done for him. Uh, we see it in Acts chapter 22. He gave his testimony to the mob, 24 to Felix, 25 to Festus, 26 to King Agrippa, and then 28 he gave it to Caesar in Rome. So the Christian life is a life of growth or it's a life of disobedience. There's no other choice. There's no stagnant place where you can just take it break for a couple years or something like that. So God has given us the responsibility to feed ourselves, And so we see that in verses 5 through 8, the process of Christian growth. And then verse 9, we see that he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sin. Folks, that's why we ought to remember when God did to us when he saved us. 
You know, we never want to forget that, and we never want to forget what God did for us as he saved our life. You know, after I was saved, uh, you know, I remember the fellow who led me to the Lord, he said, why don't you go out calling with me on the next Thursday? A week after I got saved, he goes, why don't you go call? I said, no way am I going to go out knocking on doors with you. He said, look, if you go, I promise you won't have to say anything. You can stand back there and look and watch me. You know who the biggest liars in the world are? <laughs> you have any idea? <laughs> so the first door we knocked on, he goes, hi, I'm Jim. This is Mike. He wants to tell you how to get saved. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, I did not want to tell him how to get saved. But you know, when I got saved, I started serving the Lord. And I thought when you were saved, the Bible told you to do something. I thought that's what you were supposed to do. I mean, you know, when you come to New Zealand, and you look at those people over there. They haven't been saved 100, 200 years. They, these are all first-generation Christians, and that's a blessing. That's fun to be with them. It's fun to be with you folks. I see a lot of joy in this church as well. But listen, when I was saved, I started serving the Lord, doing what I was told to do, and even though it was scary. You know, I remember going to, off to um, knocking on doors, and I'm not kidding you. When I would pray at every door, between every door, I'd say, Lord, please help him not to be home. And I, <laughs> you know how it is? And I'll tell you, folks, it's a scary thing being out there. Just remember this. So I don't ever want to get over that because we go out during the week and knock on doors, and I still feel uneasy about that. And I'm never wanting to get over that because that is his, that's the devil's territory out there. Now, once we get going, that's fine. But listen, we should trust God and let God give us the strength to do what we're supposed to do, right? So when I got saved, I remember the pastor telling us, you know, you need to serve the Lord. So I want us to remember this. First of all, remember that you're saved and don't forget it because it says here you don't ever want to forget what God did. Secondly, in verse 10, wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly in the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So he was telling us, look, you got a ministry. Let's make sure you don't forget your salvation. Let's remember you don't forget your service. You know, service is the responsibility of every single one of us. I, re I remember that um, when I got saved, the pastor of the church there in Kankakee, Grace Baptist Church in Kankakee, Illinois, he says, uh, why don't you go to college? Now, I want to tell you something. Uh, he said, look, if you're, what are you going to be doing in four years? I said, I don't know, nothing probably. He said, if you go, to, if you go off to college, you're going to be there in four years. You have a college degree. And so, I mean, I wasn't very smart, and, and, and I don't think I brought a book home in four years of uh, high school. Uh, and I didn't study. I didn't think I was smart. I didn't think I could do anything. I remember going to college. I finally did go, and I went to Maranatha Baptist Bible College, Brother Ed, when I went to together. Uh, not together, but separately, but at the same school, I guess. I remember they had an entrance exam, an English exam. And uh, so they said, here, take this English exam. You need to take this to get into college. I went up there, and I think I spelled my name wrong. <laughs> I really do. I don't think I got one. I didn't know what a noun was. I didn't know what a verb was. I didn't know anything. I, brought, I didn't do one question. I brought it up to the lady, and I said, look, I don't know any of this. She goes, that's all right. We've got places for guys like you. <laughs> that's exactly what she said. That was Mrs. Weeks. And she was a little sweet lady, and that was called remedial English, or more commonly known as bonehead English. <laughs> and I took that English class, and I got an A on it. 
And uh, they told me if I'd got an A, I wouldn't have to take it again, but they made me take it again. So I had to get two doses of English. And, uh, but you know, when I started off in college, I, it was really a blessing to be there. I loved Bible college. I loved the preaching. I loved the teaching. I loved the fact that God worked in hearts. Every single day, God was working in my heart. And as I went to Wisconsin to go to college, two things I did not want to do. I didn't want to stay in Wisconsin, and I didn't want to be a missionary. Don't ever tell, <laughs> don't ever tell God, don't. I'm never going to do this. You know, and so um, as I went through college, as I said this morning, I got into my graduate year of college, and I finally yielded to the land of New Zealand. I was in the Navy in 1967 or 68. I went to South Pole. So on the way down there, we stopped in New Zealand. I wasn't saved then. I was a young sailor, 19, 20 years old. And, uh, but I knew when I got saved and God was working in my heart, I, the only place I knew had ever been overseas was New Zealand. So I said, Lord, if you want us to go to the mission field, I'm going to New Zealand. I, I remember going home telling my wife that day. I took her out to a real fancy restaurant, the one with those you know, golden arches or something. <laughs> I thought it was pretty fancy in those days. We're sitting there. I think it was actually Kresge's. And, uh, and I said, Marie, I know what God wants us to do with our life. And Ben, she got kind of scared. And because uh, I was having fun, I knew what I was going to do. And I said, Marie, God wants us to be a missionary. And then she really got scared. And then she said, I don't want to go to Africa. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there are other places in the world. By the way, that's a great place to be. Missionaries are coming home from Africa more than are going. You know, the missionaries' force is not getting bigger. It's getting smaller around the world because people aren't just saying, Lord, here am I. Send me. And so I told her, I said, well, the Lord wants us in New Zealand. She had a sigh of relief. And then we raised our support to go to New Zealand. We spent three years from 1981 to 1984 raising our support to New Zealand. We tried to apply for visas. We couldn't get in the country. Uh, the country was closed to us. So we're, I was sleeping one night, 3 o'clock in the morning. I get a call from Brother Bill Bramlett in Australia. He said, hey, would you come and work with us in Australia? I said, yes, I'd be happy to do that. We were there within a month, and we were serving the Lord in Perth, Western Australia. And you think it's hot in Arizona. It's hotter over there and no air conditioning in the houses. So we had four children. We raised them over there. We were there for 11 years, I believe, all up. We went back to the States in 1992. So we're going through. We had stopped at Auckland on the way back to the States. And as we're going through customs, they took my passport, and they stamped permanent resident in our passport. I didn't think much of it because we went on, and we came back to News, or Australia. And then I thought, I said, what is this all about? I said, well, because you were a permanent resident of Australia, you're automatically a permanent resident of New Zealand. So, isn't that lucky? <laughs> you know, it's like spinning a wheel and finding out this is where we're going. You know, I'm going to tell you something, folks. The steps of a good man are what? They're ordered by the Lord. So I got a call in 1996 from, uh, from Bob McLean that I went to college with. Do you know Bob McLean? And, uh, and so he said, Mike, why did you come to, would you think about coming to back to New Zealand and help me start a church in Hamilton? Well, duh. <laughs> and so we moved to New Zealand from Australia without one single shred of paperwork. Not one penny worth of visa work. I mean, we were there, and we are to this day permanent residents of New Zealand. We can go back and live there anytime we want. That's our home away from home. 
you know, we got to New Zealand, <coughs> and uh, I remember, and I remember before we lost Australia, we left Australia, we had a church over there. And I'm, a, you know, it's amazing to see God's power work. We were had a service, and we were getting ready for the service, and about two minutes after the service began, in came four or five aboriginals. You know what aboriginals are? And they sat in the back, and I'm serious, I thought they came right off the desert into our church. They were just different. And they sat back there. I don't know who invited them. I don't know what in the world they got there. They sat down. I preached a message. I changed the message when they came in because I didn't think they were saved. And I gave the invitation. And I said, who would like to be saved? All the hands went up but one. I thought, I better do this again. Because they didn't understand. And all the hands went up but one. Those four people got saved. And that lady that wasn't saved, she called me a week later at 3 in the morning. She hadn't slept since then. She wanted me to come over and lead her to Christ. And she got saved. <laughs> what a blessing that is to see God work. Some of you are going to miss out on that in your life because you're not doing what God wants you to do. And so we're off into New Zealand now. We had so many things we could tell you about all the things that we did in New Zealand. We saw people save and die a week later, and we saw God work. And I'll tell you, it's a, it's a blessing to be there. And I still can't get over how God can use somebody. I just can't. But he can use us. And if he can use me, I'll guarantee you he can use you. And we got to, we got to New Zealand in 1996. And so we started with Brother McLean. Uh, Fellowship Baptist Church. And so we're preaching. We're, we're seeing people saved. We're seeing the church grow. And then uh, uh, this young man who wasn't saved came in. He wanted to date Pastor McLean's daughter. That's the only reason he came. <laughs> he, he wasn't saved. Course, Brother McLean, this could go on forever, but Brother McLean said, you're not dating my daughter until you get saved at least. That was John O'Miller. John O'Miller now is a pastor of Fellowship Baptist Church in Hamilton. And so he came along. And so Brother McLean was training him. The church is growing. In 1996, I left the church to go to Tauranga to start another church over there. And so uh, just a couple of years ago, uh, Brother John o was trained by Brother McLean. He took over the work. He's pastor there even today. And they built a million-dollar building about five years ago. That's, that's tough in, in New Zealand. That's pretty good. That's something. And, you know, something in America to build a building like that, isn't it? And so we got there and we saw God work in Fellowship Baptist Church. By the way, last year we were there. Um, we were at their mission conference last November at Fellowship Baptist Church. And they were going to have a mission conference. I and said, well, do you have faith promise? And they, you have faith promise here, right? And they said, no, Pastor John said, I don't think it'll work here. I said, why? I said, let's give it a shot. Have you, I said, let's just try it. I talked them into it, you know. And so they had, uh, they had their first Faith Promise Mission Conference last year. I got a note, I got a note from him about a, about a month ago, and he said, you know, since that mission conference, we have more money coming in for mission than we know what to do with. We have our regular offerings went up. Our 25% increase in our in our uh, in our populate in our in our attendance to the year. Listen, giving pays off. Amen. Giving pays off, and you know we're going to see uh, them again this year. He called me up and asked me if I could come back again. I'm looking. I'm going back to New Zealand, folks, and there's nothing in the world that would stop me. If God, only God, of course. So I may have to sell my house and my cars and leave my wife home, but I'm going back. 
<laughs> I wouldn't leave her here. She's the best thing that ever happened to me outside of salvation. Because she puts up with this. I mean, who else would put up with this? <laughs> and so <coughs> in uh, 2000, we went over to the city of Tauranga in, uh, uh, in the North Island, New Zealand, and started Grace Independent Baptist Church. It's the first independent Baptist church ever in that city of about 150,000 people. There's, there's cities like that all, all over the world that people just don't have a good, solid Bible-preaching church. And so we started the church, and I remember uh, it was kind of hard at first, and uh, we had this one family that were faithful, and you know, all you need is a couple of faithful families to keep you going. By the way, when your pastor comes, let him know you're behind him. If you don't want him here, why'd you call him, right? <laughs> but you did. I believe it was a unanimous call, right? Let him know you're behind him, you're, that, you, that you're going to be a faithful member of this church. What an encouragement that will be to any pastor. And so um, we, uh, we started the church. And so we were out knocking on doors, trying to reach people. And then one day a family came in to the church with four teenagers. That doesn't happen. And a young lady named um, Vicki. After the service, she came forward. Nobody comes forward in a church service over there. Vicki came forward, and she got saved that day. My wife was dealing with her for about an hour. Matter of fact, I went to the family, and I said, we did not kidnap her. She's okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> they were not saved. I mean, the mom and dad claimed to be, but none of them were saved. And I thought they were going to really be upset with us, but they were so happy that somebody was talking to their daughter about salvation. Vicki got saved that day. Now, there was a man in our church, Daniel Fraser, who was a young man. We had a Bible study with his mom. Every time he'd see it with a Bible study, he'd run and hide because he didn't want no part of that. Finally, we caught him, and his mom led him to Christ. He came to church. And you know what? Daniel sitting in church one day, and he looks up, and he sees Vicky come in. Yeah, it was love at first sight. <laughs> Matter of fact, he knew her from their high school days. He always loved her. Even he, when he was at a distance, he said he knew her right away. <laughs> he, couldn't be, he couldn't believe his luck. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I went home on furlough, and I left these two in the church. When I come back, they're engaged. <laughs> and I was, it was a privilege of mine to marry them. And, you know, Daniel's now the pastor of that church, and <laughs> Vicky's his wife. She's the pastor's wife. And you know what? They had a little girl named Jazeel. Who names her kids Jazeel? <laughs> as a matter of fact, when I asked him, I said, okay, you're going to name your girl Jazeel. What are you going to be nicknamed? Everybody's got a nickname, right? So what would you nickname your kid Jazeel? What would her nickname be? Jazzy. So that's what they call her. Jazzy is my favorite teenager in the world, except for mine. I don't have any, we have any teenagers left? Oh, no, we haven't. My youngest one's 40-something. <laughs> well, I was married when I was seven, so that's why I'm so young at the time. But Jazeel is now almost 20 years old, and guess what? She's getting married October 28th of this year. I got a text from her about a month ago, and she said, oh, Brother Rigney, you know, I've always in my whole life dreamed you'd be in my wedding since I was a little girl. I hope you'll be there. What are you going to do? I'll be there. And so I married her mom and dad 20, 
two years ago or so, and now I'm going to be in her wedding. It's just not getting better than that, folks. And so we're going to be there, and we're going to be able to see those folks, and we're going to be able to fellowship with them again. And we went back last year. We saw people saved. We saw lives change. We saw the churches grow. We saw. I remember when we first had our first missionary conference, and you can keep this in mind. We had a, we had a, in, in Australia, we had a Faith Promise missionary program. So I got everybody to fill out their card and how much they wanted to give. And then after the service, we're collecting all of these uh, things. And I was reading through them. And I got to this one that says, it's in, written in crayon. So I thought, we don't have any deacons, so it can't be them. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, so I thought, Somebody wrote, and here's what it said. I think I got it in my file somewhere. It said, I promise to give five cents every week. My dad will give it to you. (laughs) And there's something profound about that, folks. I promise. And by the way, our church, just in in, uh, Gilbert, we've given almost $400,000 this year to missions. And listen, faith promise works. And it worked there, and God will give it. And if you promise, your Father will give it to you. <laughs> and so it's been a blessing over the years to see God work and see what he's done. And I could go on and on about serving the Lord, but folks, you're missing out if you're not serving the Lord. If you don't give your life to him and see what he'd have for your life, you are missing out. Remember your salvation. Remember to serve the Lord. Two things will happen if you do that. Wherefore, verse 10, wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you'll never fall. He says, you're going to be up there. I'll take care of you. You're not going to fall. You serve me, and I will make sure you stay on the right track. Secondly, an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Don't you want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant? That's for those who serve God faithfully. And so let's remember to serve God. And then lastly, it doesn't mean I'm quitting. It just means this is last. <laughs> you know, Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 1, and finally, brethren. I don't know what that means. That's, that's what a pastor says. It doesn't mean he's quitting. It just, it just means something else is going to happen. But notice in verse 12, Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them, and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. Listen, God, you know, you know what I'm, everything I've said, you know, but you need to be remember, you need to be reminded, don't we? That's what church is, it's reminding you of what you already know, that Jesus Christ is worth everything you can give him. And so we see here that he says in verse 13, Yea, I think it meet as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that surely I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me. You know, time's pretty short. You don't know how long you're going to be here. Um, God has a work that only you can do and nobody else. You've got people that only you can reach and nobody else. You know, Jesus had a work to do, and he could do it only while he was on earth. He finished the work in John 17. Uh, You know, time is so short, and life goes so fast. Some of you young people don't believe it, but it happens. I remember when I was 12. All I wanted to be in life was 13. (laughs) I remember that. If I could be a teenager, my life would be over. I would be happy. It would be over. By the way, when I got to be a teenager, my mom and dad didn't have to know anything. I knew everything. (laughs) 
But you know, I thought if I could just, I really remember doing that. If I thought I could just be a teenager, then I got to be 13, I thought, well, this isn't much. If I get to be 16, I can drive a car. Didn't have a car, but if I had, I could get a driver's license. So I thought, okay, I finally got to be 16. And I had my driver's license, finally, funked it a couple times. <laughs> then I got to be 16, and we lived in Kankakee, Illinois. Kankakee, Illinois had a curfew. They had a curfew that if you were under 18, you had to be home by 11 o'clock on the weekdays, and no, 10 o'clock on the weekdays, 11 o'clock on the weekends. A curfew, who does that? <laughs> so I got to be 16, and I couldn't go out. <laughs> so you know what I did? I joined the Navy. I joined the Navy when I was a day before I was 18. I did it because I was sick and tired of my mom and dad telling me what to do. <laughs> Big mistake. <laughs> Big, make sure if you go in, it's not for that reason. And so I got to be 18, and then you know what? I couldn't do anything because you're not really a man until you're 21, I thought. So I got to be, finally, I got to be 21. And, man, I was, I was having all this whatever. Got a car. I couldn't afford the insurance. <laughs> first car I ever had was a 64 GTO convertible. I don't have a clue why. It was, but that's my first car. And I couldn't. You can't get insurance till you're 25, right? Till you're 25. And I thought, okay, if I could just be 25, then I could be really happy. And my life would be over. And I got, <laughs> and I got to be 25, and I said, man, I wish I was 12 again. <laughs> You know, that's exactly what life is if you don't have the Lord in your life. Just one empty, worthless, good-for-nothing pursuit after another. And I got to be 26, and I thought, man, if I can go to Bible college, I can graduate, and I can do something for God. And then I got out of Bible college, and I said, I need to go to New Zealand, and God has blessed beyond measure. And I started seeing what you could do with your life if you give it to God. Man, life is not just big one empty dream. Life is the only time we have, and it's short. It's very short. I remember when I was first saved, <clears throat> there was a man in our youth group, and I, I was, uh, do you guys know um, what Mike Palatier? Okay, Mike Palatier was in my junior high youth group when I got saved. So I know Mike very well and his family. And... Uh, so there was another guy in our youth group. His name was Chuck. And Chuck was a little guy with little spiky hair. He was kind of a funny-looking guy. I mean, you know, he's not here to, to refute that, so I haven't seen him in 40 years. So, but at that time, he was. And he went to, a co he went to high school, a secular high school. And at those days, Christians used to carry your Bible when they went to school. And they'd put it right on top. And he went to school with his Bible on top. And I mean to tell you, people got, and they made fun of him big time. And all the football players got around him one time. And they, and they got him cornered in the side of the, of the hallway. And they go, hey, look, little Chucky's got his Bible. Isn't that cute? Come on, little sissy Chucky. What do you got there? You got your Bible today? And so all the people, the class got out. And there's dozens of people standing around listening. Can you ever been in that place before, something like that? And so I don't know what I would have done, but Chuck, he looked up and he goes, he took his Bible and he says, here, if you think it's so easy, you carry it a while. <laughs> right? It's not. It's not, but it's right, but it's not easy. Hey, folks, 
let's remember how short time really is. We don't have much time. Time like a ever rolling stream bears all its sons away. Job said life is swifter than a post. Life passes like swift ships, eagles that ha uh, haste to the prey. Um, you know, it goes by so fast. Let's make sure we do remember that we're, remember what God did for us when he saved us. Let's remember how we have to serve him. Let's not forget that. Let's remember that time is so short. And uh, let's give our life to God. Maybe there's some folks in this room today that need to just stop what you're doing and turn it over to Christ. He'll do, about, he'll do a lot better job than you will. So let's remember, remember, remember. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight for the Lord Jesus. We pray, God, that you take our lives. And Lord, help us to remember that you saved us to serve you and that our service is today. The hour cometh when no man worketh. So Lord, help us to realize how short time really is. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, let me just ask you as we close the service, you say, Brother Rigney, God's spoken to my heart. There's some things in my life that haven't quite been right, and I wish you'd pray for me that God would work and I'd surrender some area of my life to him. If that's your testimony, could I pray for you? Just put your right, thank you, God bless you. Thank you, God bless you. Let's stand together and let's just give just a moment for you. If God spoke into your heart, you'd like to come and kneel and pray here. That's, that's okay. Don't be ashamed. Let's do it. And if God's spoken, you come and uh, ask God to help you in whatever area it is you want. <clears throat>